0: Good afternoon. I'm Shelby Herbert. Welcome to Midday Magazine for Wednesday, January 25th. The Petersburg Vikings hosted the Wrangell Wolves Friday and Saturday for their homecoming high school basketball game. The Wolves won both the junior varsity boys and varsity girls matches, but Petersburg's varsity boys won both games. Rick Brock coaches both boys' teams. He broke down the junior varsity game.
1: On Friday, we came up a little bit short, 38-46. to And then on Saturday's game, um, we were behind, I believe, 10 points in the fourth quarter and made a huge run the last three minutes of the game and tied it and uh, sent the game into overtime. And, uh, the crowd had moved in for the varsity game. So it was a full house. Pet man was playing. It was great atmosphere for the young guys. And we came up one basket short, though we ended up losing 27 to 29, but two very hard fought games by our JV team.
0: Petersburg's varsity boys won two games over their school rival. Coach Rick praises his team's strong defense and their resilience playing with a smaller team than usual.
1: We, we've had an interesting season. We haven't had the same lineup or group of kids from one weekend to the next. And so we came in this weekend with a couple of kids out for different reasons. So on Friday, uh, the varsity game took us a little bit of time. We were, um, a little flat in the first half. We were down four at halftime, came out in the third quarter and we still were struggling getting into a rhythm, but, uh, at some point we started making a comeback towards the end of the third quarter and we outscored Wrangell 23 to 7 in the fourth quarter, we played really well. Our inside game is, is pretty strong. So we ended up winning 53 to 40. So then Saturday, the game really was fast paced. I'm sure from the standpoint of the fans, it was entertaining. Both teams played really well. We fell behind early. I believe we were down seven to nothing or nine to nothing, but I thought we were getting okay looks. Um, so we started putting the ball in the basket. We were down three at the end of the first quarter, had a five point lead at halftime, down one at the end of the third quarter. So we just kept going back and forth. And then at the end, we made a couple of critical defensive stops, made some free throws in a basket and uh, ended up winning 56 to 51. Uh, One of the the strengths of our team is just, uh, the balance that we have and different people that can contribute. And that really showed, uh, especially, like I said, with some guys out for injuries and other things, sicknesses. And, and, uh, yeah, good, great, great, uh, great homecoming weekend for us. Anytime you can win two games in our league, let alone against Wrangle, that's, uh, it's a good weekend.
0: Dino Brock coaches the Lady Vikings. Peter uh, Petersburg's varsity girls lost, but Coach Dino celebrates key milestones in the team's improvement.
2: Friday, we started out, did a nice job of running our offense and getting good looks. We limited our turnovers. The second half, we struggled a little bit, and then we started playing harder, and then I thought we did better as, as the game went on. Saturday, that was the hardest that we played all year long. We full-court pressed and went after him and just tried to do some different things. We, we struggled to score in the first half. We we're still in the game and came out and scored 10 points in the third quarter, which is our highest scoring quarter of the year. From that viewpoint, it was, it was exactly what you want out of the weekend.
0: The Lady Vikings junior varsity game was canceled. Coach Dino says Wrangell did not have enough eligible players to compete. Last winter, controversy erupted over a basketball game between Ketchikan High School and nearby rival Metlakatla. Students dressed in cowboy hats, flannel shirts, and boots for what Ketchikan's pep club planned as a country theme night. Some students shouted racial slurs, according to investigators. Indigenous fans from both communities took the theme as an offensive reference to old tropes of cowboys and Indians as the Ketchikan team hosted players from Alaska's only reservation. Ketchikan School District has since apologized and pledged to do better in the future, and just recently, Ketchikan School Board made the trip to Metlakatla to address the rift the incident left between the two communities. As Reagan Miller reports, the meeting was the beginning of what Metlakatla officials say is a necessary healing process. It wasn't just about a basketball game or a theme. Me Personally, I've seen that
3: it was evident in both communities that there is a deep wound. That's Gatgita Hike, the
4: president of Metlakatla School Board, speaking on her own behalf about the damage caused by a country night
3: pep club theme. Uh, in order for the healing to begin, uh, it's, it's something that needs to be talked about amongst everyone, including leaders in the community.
4: That's what happened on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, when a handful of members from Ketchikan School Board made the trip to Metlakatla. There was just one item on the agenda to discuss the deeper problems exposed by that basketball game last winter. Hike says the time was dedicated to exploring ways that the two towns can keep finding ways to bring their students together.
3: I think that everyone is looking forward to moving forward and developing a good
4: relationship. Stephen Bradford is the president of Ketchikan School Board. He says officials in both communities agree that it's time to build a closer relationship.
2: Uh, we realized that there had never been a joint meeting of the uh, two school districts that uh, anyone could remember anyway. And we just felt like it was a very productive session just because they are so close and we are so intertwined.
4: Bradford says the two boards also discussed some recent basketball games between the Ketchikan Kings and the Metlakatla Chiefs. He says both boards agree that the atmosphere has been positive at tournament and regular season games.
2: And and I think the same feeling was expressed about the Clark Cochran because the Metlakatla Miss Chiefs had participated in that tournament, and everything was a great atmosphere and a lot of fun for the kids.
4: Tom Hewitt, a Ketchikan school board member, says the meeting was a reminder of just how closely connected the two towns are. We
2: have a lot more in in common than we do that separates us.
4: Hewitt says he'd like to continue to forge closer ties with Metlakatla's district.
2: So I think what I got out of it was Ketchikan and Metlakatla are very closely connected, almost, you know, one larger community because uh, a lot of folks from there come over here, vice versa, very closely linked. And our two school districts are both facing a lot of the same challenges.
4: School board member Diane Gubatayo also made the trip over. She describes the meeting as a chance to show appreciation to Metlakatla. Bradford brought gifts to Metlakatla's board, including a few framed pictures and a wooden art piece commemorating Alaska Native civil rights leader Elizabeth Parachrovich, created by Ketchikan students. Metlakatla's board members took them on a tour of Metlakatla High School and the new vocational technical buildings, including an inside look at the school's scuba certification program. Gubatayo says she was grateful for the opportunity.
2: I think it was a a very important um, event for one board to um, honor another and to build relationships with another as uh, board members to board members. And we all acknowledge that the most important thing in our efforts and discussion, it's all about the students and um, what's best for our students.
4: In Bradford agreed, at the end of the day, it's not about basketball, it's about the students.
2: And you could tell that there's great friendship and camaraderie uh, between the players themselves. Uh, sometimes it's the adults who get in the way.
4: He says the two boards are ready to move forward together. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller.
0: Alaska's Board of Game last weekend unanimously decided against a proposal that would have tossed out a requirement for how resident black bear hunters process their kill. Almost every advisory committee in the state came down against the idea, arguing that it could make it uh, difficult to manage the population. Reagan Miller reports from Ketchikan. There's a lot of
4: information in a black bear school, which is why almost every advisory committee in the region opposed a proposal to do away with a school ceiling requirement. Ceiling refers to the metal tags placed on parts of an animal in this case, the skull of a black bear, which stay in place until the hide has been tanned and the skull boiled. Under the existing regulations, all hunters must seal a black bear skull within 30 days of their kill. A new proposal would have scrapped that rule for resident hunters in most of southeast, excluding Juneau. The requirement would remain in place for non-residents. Roy Churchwell is a Juneau area biologist for the State Department of Fish and Game. He told the board the current rule benefits research.
1: For skulls in particular, we gather information from the skull, including the size, uh, we get a tooth to age the animal, and tissue for management and population monitoring. Skull size is used to help monitor for changes in populations and potential overharvest that would be expected if we observed a decrease in the average skull size harvested from an area.
4: The proposal was authored by an Alaska resident who says it's an undue burden on resident hunters and that enough information can be gathered from the sealed skulls taken by out-of-state hunters. The proposal also says researchers can gather information from factors like the time and place of kill and the sex of the animal. But Churchwell says there's a difference between the bears killed by resident and out-of-state hunters. Churchwell worries about the quality of data if the department were to base its research only on bear skulls from non-residents.
1: While this proposal suggests that we don't need this information from resident hunters, non-resident and resident hunters have different motivations for harvesting bears and often harvest different sized bears because of this.
4: Almost every Southeast Advisory Committee was against the idea. Michael Duvill testified about several proposals on behalf of the Craig Advisory Committee.
2: He felt valuable data is gathered that helps with management.
4: Fairbanks-based board member Al Barrett echoed the importance of the information.
1: And I believe the the data is is very important in this part of the country
2: to continue to keep collecting.
4: Board Chair Jerry Burnett guessed that the proposal came from not wanting to seal a part of the animal that wasn't helpful to the hunter.
2: I'm guessing that people don't want to keep the skull. They don't want to salvage it. They're hunting for meat only, and there's not a lot of meat on the skull. Board
4: members discussed the proposal for around 10 minutes before they voted against it. The Board of Game meeting started on Friday in Ketchikan and concluded on Monday, a day early.
0: Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. Juno's representative at this year's statewide Miss Alaska pageant placed third overall and received the coveted Miss Congeniality Award. Honor Miller Austin sat down with Chloe Pleznak in Juno to discuss her to discuss her experience and future in pageantry. So, Honor, thank you so
3: much for taking the time to talk with me today. I want to start with just asking you to tell us a little bit about your background. Were you raised in Juno?
5: Yes, I was born and raised in Juneau and haven't left ever. I just go on little vacations here and there, but mostly a Juno girl.
3: There can sometimes be a little bit of a mixed perception, I think, in media about what pageantry is. Is there something that you wish people understood better about it?
5: Yeah, I think that it was also kind of one of those things where I felt it was very surface level um, and I was very nervous to be the pageant girl. Um, but going there and experiencing that is way different than actually what you see on social media or any sort of like stigma surrounding pageantry is very false. A lot of the women really do want to help in change the world and like make differences in their community and then kind of reach out to a bigger problem. So it's really fun and interesting and a deeper meaning than just being a pageant girl.
3: I love that. So you were awarded the title Miss Conge. I'm going to butcher this <laughs> congeniality congeniality. Okay. What does the title of Miss congeniality mean to you? Um, I think that it really helped me
5: realize that I was actually a really big positive energy towards the girls and the pageant and kind of really experiencing the event for the first time made me, I don't know, I think it's a good title for just like positivity all around. And I think that that's what I try to aspire to be in real life as well as like in other women's lives, because it's really important to like encourage others to do their best and be who they
3: are. And so for that for me to win that was really big. So it's my per- potentially outdated perception that most pageant contestants have some kind of special skill or uh, you know a cause that they advocate for. Do you have a special skill or a cause that you showcased?
5: Yeah, so we had a um I think it was called a platform and my platform was better than yesterday and so it's a mental health platform that surrounded like trying to bring light to making sure others are aware that we are trying to advocate for mental health and how to get everyone better health care access and able to make sure that they, I suppose, can be less ashamed of how they handle their mental health and how we get access to those resources and stuff like that. But I think that that was a lot of women's platform this year is just like bringing
3: more awareness to mental health. That's fantastic, especially in this state where we really struggle with that with seasonal depression, whether people realize it or not. Yeah. Um, so what kind of impact did this year's experience have on you personally?
5: Um, I think that it impacted me in a way where I realized the confidence that I was suppressing for so long by like being insecure and like really, um, underappreciated of myself and my own kind of, I don't know, life, I suppose. Like, I just work and I'm very humble, and then I really exuded this confidence after the pageant that I, like, didn't realize existed until now. So definitely an empowering experience. Yes. That's awesome. So will you participate in future pageants? Yes. Next year we're going to try again for Miss Alaska USA, and hopefully we take home the title. But, I mean, no... No pressure there, just kind of really excited for the experience in itself. Again, it was just one of those things where I didn't realize how fun it was until you get there and you're around these women that are actually really trying to make a difference. Definitely. Well,
3: we look forward to hearing more about what you do in your future. Thank you so much for making Juno so proud.
0: Thank you. That was Miss Juno, Honor Miller-Austin, speaking with Chloe Plesnack from Ketchikan. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.